Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. Greenlight Guru is committed to improving the quality of life, and now we're ready to improve the quality of education and training in the medical device industry. Greenlight Guru Academy is a comprehensive training resource for anyone looking to learn industry best practices with actionable training from industry experts. You'll get on-demand courses that allow you to move at your own pace on topics related to quality and regulatory, product development, design controls, risk management, doc control. Honestly, it's too many to fit into a short ad. So if you're ready to level up your medical device education, visit greenlight.guru forward slash academy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. My name is Etienne Nichols. I'm the host of today's episode. And today we get to speak with Sarah Adams. We talked about management responsibility, which if you ask me is the most important part of a QMS because without it, everything else is doomed to fail. We covered a lot of ground. We talked about things like what is management responsibility? How in the weeds should management get? And what is involved with management review? And we talked about a lot of other things. Sarah Adams is an ISO 1345 lead auditor. She's a fantastic quality engineer who has led countless audits. I say that, but knowing Sarah, she probably has counted them all. But she's now working as a medical device guru for Greenlight Guru, where she advises a portfolio of companies on how to set up their quality management system so that it's airtight and audit ready. Sarah is one of my favorite people on the planet because she genuinely cares for the people she works with and the customers she serves. And I'm sure you'll see that shine through in today's conversation. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Sarah Adams on the most important part of your quality management system, management responsibility. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. This is Etienne Nichols, the host of the Global Medical Device Podcast. I get to speak with Sarah again today. Some of you had reached out and said you loved her last episode. And plus, her lighting is better. I don't know if you noticed if you're on the video. How are you doing, Sarah? I am doing okay. How about you, Etienne? Doing great. I'm so glad to get to talk to you about management responsibility. Okay, I had 820.20 pulled up. Let me pull. Where did it go? It disappeared in the thousands of tabs that you have open, right? That's right. (laughs) Incidentally, there's a Google grouping feature that I have not taken advantage of this time, but whatever that aside, management responsibility, you recently went through a lot of different training with ISO lead auditor and other training as well. I know you've lived auditing in the past. We don't necessarily have to go at it from that angle, but when you think about management responsibility, what comes to mind for you? Yeah. So, well, I think that's a loaded question because when I said, let's do this let's do a podcast on management review. That's literally what comes to mind is management review because I lived that for so, so long, so many years. That was one of my chief jobs and my previous job, chief roles, whatever my previous job was to create the management review slides. Now that's not what comes to mind when you say management responsibility. But just from that perspective, what comes to mind like immediately is like, what is, does management understand what their responsibility and their role is in this whole big quality management system space, right? Like, do you understand what you're supposed to be doing as top management? Do you understand, or is this just an, is this just kind of an afterthought to you? That's a good question because I, and people are going to get tired of me talking about this, but I look at a company basically with three different legs. So there's the leg of Uh, the ethical side of things, which has become more and more prevalent in in recent years, obviously. So the ethical uh, aspects, there's regulatory 
And I think that's where a lot of people look at management review. Oh, it's just one of the regulatory requirements. And then there's the business requirements, you know, the money, building money, because money is the air companies breathe. But we usually lump management responsibility or management review, I guess, in that regulatory, when in reality, it's going to cover all three of those, I would think. Mm. And so now we'll get into the nuts and bolts. I'm, I'm going to have to ask about the nuts and bolts of management review at some point, because I'm sure people will be interested to hear how you develop those slides and what is included in those. We'll get to that yeah. a little bit later. But you say it doesn't. That's not what comes to mind now. What comes to mind now for the you? The management commitment piece, right? So I. And I have, I should have mentioned, you have 820 pulled up. I have 13485 (laughs) printed at my desk because if you were, I think I said it last time, but if you came to my lead audit certification, that's what I took away is have a printed copy. But man, all of management responsibility is five, right? It's the fifth clause in ISO 13485. I think just the summarization of what comes to mind is that it is that management plays a role in this quality management system thing, that they have a responsibility of ensuring that all those three legs, like you said, are are functioning and apart, working together, if you will. And if you don't have management buy-in, we probably should add that to talk about too. If you don't have management buy-in, it gets really hard to do this thing called a quality management system. Yeah. So part 820.20 is where you would find it in 21 CFR. Part 820.20, management responsibility. So the first first paragraph there is quality policy. Management with executive responsibility shall establish its policy and objectives for and commitment to quality. And I haven't compared it to ISO 1345. It's been a little while since I've read that, but Similar, similar. Yeah. Top management shall ensure that the quality policy is applicable to the purpose of the organization, includes a commitment to comply with requirements and to maintain the effectiveness of the quality management system. I could keep going, but I won't read to everybody. The quality policy for me kind of sits at the top, right? Recently, I did a guru workshop with uh, John Collins from Comply Guru, who's one of our partners. And we talked a little bit about the quality policy. And he said something that I absolutely loved. I'm going to give him credit because I didn't come up with it. And that is that the quality policy is more than words on a paper, right? Like they're like, I don't know if you had this at your previous job, but we had the quality policy posted everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's in the break room. We didn't put it in the restrooms, but we probably would have (laughs) if we had thought about it, right? It was everywhere. Even so much so that because quality policy is one of the things that auditors ask about, our employees, when they started with us, got this little card that they would put in the back of their badge, right? That they would swipe to get inside that had the quality policy on it, okay? It was words on a paper. Now, it was more than that at my previous company, so don't hear that, but it, it really was words on paper. At its core, though, it is the battle cry of the that unifies the group. So like when I hear that, I'm... Etienne knows this. I'm a huge sports fan. I love baseball. So I think of the like, come like before the game starts and we're all in the circle and we're like on two, one, two, go, which is not what you say in baseball. That's what you say in football. But like, it's the like, here we go. This is what pumps us up. And for us at my previous job, that was quality is everyone's responsibility. I think it was like quality matters in everything we do all the time. I clearly don't remember deeply what it was, (laughs) but it is quality matters. It's important. And That like the quality policy should be the battle cry, the rally cry, the like thing that pumps us up that we remember, not just words on a page. 
So I'm curious when you think about the battle cry of a company, well, I don't know. It's easy for me to think of a battle cry that I, or maybe my department has, but the entire company having something for an entire company seems tougher. And have you heard any good ones? I mean, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. You are putting me on the spot. I think, you know, quality policy comes back to quality at the end of the day, right? Like you can't have a quality policy that says we're going to make all the money in the world. Like, (laughs) I don't think that's going to go over well. That may be one of your top goals as a company is to make money. I think like, why would you have a business if it wasn't right? It's one of those legs like you talked about, but it needs to be, I think I don't have any great examples because I have some examples in my past, right? Quality matters, but at its core, I think the quality policy needs to think about the patient, right? Cause like at the end of the day, our jobs impact who do they, who they impact the patient, right? And if that's your family member, or if that's somebody else's family member, like good quality policies, think about the end goal and good things in life. Think about the end goal, right? But like, think about the end goal. And so quality matters in everything we do all the time. Like why? Because we're not at the end of the day, making tennis shoes, or maybe we are, if that's going to be a medical device, maybe that's a bad example, but we're not making, we're not making pins, writing utensils that we're going to write with, you know, that, that any, that's not what we're making. We're making things that change the the quality of life for patients. And so I think like a, a good quality policy, a good battle cry places that at the center. So we talked a little bit before about your personal quality policy. Am I allowed to ask about that? Yeah, I, you're yeah. allowed to ask about that. We talked a little bit about that. I am a nerd at heart of people who listen to him, listen to me before. I love audits. I told Etienne that I was doing a personal check-in with myself and laughingly, I didn't tell you this. I don't like to journal. I think my brain goes too fast and faster mm. than the pen, which is kind of bad. I am. It is a practice I'm trying to get into because I think there are so many benefits there. Again, not what we're here to discuss. But as I was doing that, I was like, man, I just check in with myself. I need a quality policy for me. I need a quality yeah. policy for me. And so I sat down and I wrote a bunch of things of like who I want to be as a friend, who I want to be as a as a parent, who I want to be as a spouse, um, who I want to be as a as an employee, like all of those things. It was really long because I know you've seen some really long quality <laughs> policies, right? Our quality policy referenced regulations inside of it. And I think that's a good thing. I didn't have any regulations to reference in my uh, personal quality policy, but I got to the end and I was like, I need something. I need something that is like mine to hold on to that like is the battle cry. I can't recite this to myself in the, you know, for people who've listened to you, I know we've talked about imposter syndrome before or something like that. I can't repeat this to myself in that moment. It's this long. Maybe I could frame (laughs) it on my wall, but why would I do that? Or like post it in the restroom, like I I joked about earlier. I need something quick. And so I'm not going to share what my personal battle cry is. It's, It's definitely mine. But regardless, it's three words, maybe four, depending on what country you're in and how you hyphenate words. <laughs> but it's like that quick, like, this is mine battle cry. And yeah, just from a life perspective, I think I'm, I'm a nerd and did a quality policy and called it that. But at the same time, I think that that is valuable. That's That's the point, right? It's something that you can recall. And like in that moment of, I don't, again, in that moment of, I don't want to necessarily do the right thing because we're all humans. Like, I I'm going to, I'm going to cut this. Like it's something that is in the back of your mind that like just pops into play in that moment where you're like, oh yeah, 
oh yeah. And so that's what the quality policy should be. It should be that thing that people at your company can come back to that they deeply re- that deeply resonates with them and that they deeply believe. And again, it doesn't need to be words on paper. So part of the battle, and I don't know if that's the right word to use, but part of the climb is how do we make this not just words on the paper? How do we make people believe in this? And you know, there are ways that you can do that. There, you can show surgeries, you can bring patients in to tell their story and things like that. But what emotion can we associate this with for people so that it's something that they remember? And it's not just something on the back of their name card that they pull out during an audit. When an auditor says, what's your quality policy? Oh, um, it's You know, know, you're making me think of something that my wife and I did when our first son was born. And that is we came up with a family mission statement. We actually did. I love that. We framed it, put it on the wall. It's probably in storage at the moment because we were still not fully moved back in. But if I remember some of it, it was things like we said, uh, we asked questions to probe, not prove. And it ended. And if I was trying to think, because it is a lot of statements I couldn't memorize. I I don't have it memorized. Mm -hmm. But the last statement maybe is what summarized it. And uh, it said, we are the Nichols family. We are a haven from the world. And that that was what our family mission statement was. (laughs) Ready, break, right? (laughs) We're a haven from the world. We don't, we bring people in. We want to be hospitable. We want to be generous. We want our family to feel safe. We want to be a haven to the world. But if in from a company's perspective, I love what you're talking about here because let's take a step back. There do have to be some words on a page, there obviously, do. for when yep. you get audited and so forth. And would you, and I just want to ask you, would you say that would be the longer paragraph to maybe fully encompass it? And then you have your summary statement that everybody has memorized and is your battle cry. Yep, that's exactly it. And that's my experience at my previous company too, if anybody's listening, because that we had the paragraph and then we had the summary statement at the end. And I promise you, I I did audits. I was the one that brought the auditor to the floor to interview the people to say, what's your quality policy? I would coach them and maybe coach is the wrong word, but like, this is the, the if you just say quality is matters in everything I do all the time, like that little statement, that battle cry, if you will, like, yes, that's your quality policy, but you do need the words on the paper. Right. And just like my own personal quality policy, I have the words on the paper. Like I have it detailed of who I want to be as this and that, and this and that in this aspect. And then I've got the summary statement at the end that summarizes all of them. I like that. So if we go back to the the standard, this is a question and you don't necessarily curious if you have a thought on this. Yeah. Does it have to be a paragraph to fulfill the regulatory requirement or is that summary statement enough? I feel like for some of the parts, and I'm looking down because I'm looking at the standard, for some of the parts here, there's parts of a paragraph, right? A commitment to comply with requirements and to maintain the effectiveness of the quality management system, a framework for establishing and reviewing quality objectives. Like we hadn't gotten to quality objectives yet, we'll probably go in there next, but it does need some of that meat to it. Even still though, it's that summary of who we are and why we are that while we're doing that. Okay. So if I'm looking at 820.20, the yeah, next that pulled up too. <laughs> the next paragraph is organization. Each manufacturer shall establish and maintain an adequate organizational structure. So an org chart essentially mm-hmm. is, is yep. designed uh, and produced in accordance with the requirements of this part. So just to make sure that the organization has a adequate, whether it's service and repair, quality department, all the different, I guess, depending on how you want to lay out your company, just to make sure that you are able to meet all of the requirements of part 820. 
Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on the this section and maybe any thoughts on, you know, I don't know if ISO 1345 differs in any way here, but... It it is it mentions it right. It's just at a different part. It does not come immediately after the quality <laughs> policy. But I think the big thing here, and and we'll get into it kind of when we talk about management review too, though, is that you have the right people in the right roles, and that it's adequate to make sure that you're meeting that quality policy, right? That you're, and that's not how it reads. It reads like when you look at 20, it reads in accordance with the requirements, right? That you're ensuring that your devices are produced in that way. But I think that's like somewhere where Man, when you pull that third leg of the stool, we fall down, right? Because business needs, and especially in executive management, business needs are important. Like we we have to make money at the end of the day. Yeah. We have to exist. Like there's no point in having a quality management system if we're not producing a product and paying our bills and things like that. But it is really important to have enough resources in the right roles to be able to meet the requirements of this regulation. And that, and the standard is very clear, that falls in management's responsibility. Yeah. And so resources is the is a subparagraph of organization in part 820.20. So it would talk about that too. Make sure you provide those adequate resources make sure you have everything, including for internal quality audits and so forth. Responsibility and authority is the first subparagraph after organization. And it talks about making sure that you give proper responsibility and authority and interrelation of personnel to manage and perform all these different tasks associated with this. And I think that's interesting because sometimes I've worked with some people who may not have felt like they had the authority to do what they needed to do, and uh, they might have had the responsibility, but not the authority. And it obviously is both of those things. So yeah, you definitely need both of them for sure. Any comments or or anything from ISO? Same. Similarly, we've got a responsibility and authority section that says similar thoughts that we need to document and manage it. Let's see. One other thing I was going to say, like everything in ISO, you got to define, you got to document, right? Or it didn't happen, but communicate within the organization. Again, I know we're going to get into management rep too. That falls kind of in the responsibility piece too. But the big thing that we have delegated who's responsible for what, right? Because if we have it, then that's where things fall fall down, fall through the cracks. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned management representative. They have two requirements. One is to ensure that the quality system requirements are effectively established. And then the second one is to report on the performance to the executive. And I think that's interesting because we were talking before we got on here, how important, and maybe even at the beginning, how important top management is. They have to be constantly informed of the performance of the quality management system. And that's one of the jobs of the management representative. Yeah. So what, anything to add? I was going to laugh and joke, the management representative, that's just the person on the paper who's responsible for management representative. Like I just have to have somebody named as the management rep, right? Etienne, like we had a nice little chart at the door that identified who our management rep was, but it's <laughs> deeper than that, right? It's not just a name on a page like, oh, I got to name management rep because that's what I got to do, right? It's one of those questions they ask you in order, and who is your management rep? Well, that would be this person kind of thing. But yeah, they are responsible. Like when we get to communicating what's going on, if we're hitting things, if we're, what is happening in the quality management system, they are supposed to tell the management of that. And then management's supposed to listen and make decisions accordingly. Right? And who is that? I mean, I think of the yeah. VP of quality or- what, who I think of too. Yeah, yeah. VP of quality, quality manager. If you don't have a v- VP of quality, um, the person who is at, if you've got multiple sites, like we've got a management rep, someone who is 
for that site, maybe. Um, we've got a, a management rep for the whole quality management system over multiple sites. But yeah, I, I tend to think that falls in the quality umbrella. I certainly would not necessarily want to see that top that top management, the CEO having that management rep position. I, I don't know that that would be... Well, I don't and know I th- that would be separation, right? <laughs> yeah, and I, it seems like it makes sense that it would. Uh, I, I don't even know if it could be that person because they're supposed yeah. to be reported to. That's really, what I'm it's saying. <laughs> I think it's just understood that a CEO is just not going to have time, which is why you need a, a representative. Yeah, That's very true. Very yeah. true. So, okay, the one you we've all been waiting for, <laughs> Section C in uh, in Part Eight Twenty Twenty is management, management review. review. Yes. Yeah. Okay, let's talk it's management much- review. It's much longer in ISO 13485 than it is in 820. I know that's surprising, right? But um, I love management review and I'm probably the nerd. And then here's the other thing. Like I was the queen of pivot tables to show our data, to look at it. And now I'm like, I don't remember how to do that. How do, how do I do that? Like I look <laughs> back at some of those old spreadsheets and things like that. I'm like, how did I live that life for so long? But yeah, I think an important part of management review is it is a time for everyone to come together. And by everyone, I mean, like we're, we're bringing in different, different parts of the company, right? It's not, it doesn't have to just be management and quality that's sitting down, but that management role, not, sorry, I should have said, it doesn't have to just be this CEO and quality who's sitting down, but like you need your person who's in charge of HR, because we're going to talk about resources and you need your person who's in charge of finances. Cause we're also going to talk about resources and you need the CEO there and you need the COO there. And if you don't have all those members of your team yet, that's cool. We need top management to come together, sit down and look at, and in ISO 1345, we we define some input. So feedback, complaint handling, reporting to regulatory authorities, audits, monitoring and measurement of processes, monitoring and measurement of product, corrective actions, preventive actions, follow-up actions from your previous management review, changes that could affect the quality management system, recommendations for improvement, applicable new or revised regulatory requirements. So we are sitting down and we are talking about a lot of things. It is not a five-minute meeting. If it is a five-minute meeting and you sign off on the document, do you meet the requirement? I guess so, because you're not writing down that you only met for five minutes. But it is meant to be a time that we clear that we clear our plates and we do. This. I'm gonna tell this story, Etienne, and then I'm gonna get in trouble with my husband for telling the story. My husband works at an ISO 9001 facility, which is a problem when your wife is a 13485 <laughs> guru to give a. I don't know. He has not worked there his whole career, so when he changed immediately, immediately, wife goes into like, "Do you do this? Do you do that? Do you do this? Do you do that? You've got to do this. Do you do that?" And he's like, "My husband is an Enneagram Nine for those of you that are Enneagrams," and so he's like, "Stop." <laughs> I don't care. Like, leave me alone. Right. (laughs) And then I am an Enneagram one, which is like, there's a right, there's a wrong, there's no in between. And so it makes for an interesting mix over dinner. Right. So we had recently moved into this house. So like you boxes, well, you probably don't still have boxes everywhere. We had boxes Uh, everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) And my son, close your ears if you're squeamish, but he got sick on our second night that we're here. And yes, it was that kind of sick, right? I won't call it what it is, but it was that kind of sick. And like, I'm just glad we had a roll of paper towels at the house because like we didn't, everything was in boxes. And so the next day we wake up and we're trying to shuffle schedules. Like I've got this then, I've got this then. And look, my husband goes into work, but he also can work remotely as well. And so he was like, I, the only thing on my calendar is at 11 and it's not that important. I can take it remotely. And I was like, what's on your calendar at 11. 
thinking he'd be like, oh, just a meeting with one of my reports. I don't know. He said, oh, it's just management review. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Wrong thing to say to your ISO 13485 guru of a wife, right? It's just, just management review. I don't have to be there for that. Y'all, I don't know ISO 9001 as deeply as I know 13485. I know like if, you, if you're if you new to this, like 13485 is 9001 on steroids. Like we're way more specific in the med device industry. But I literally was like, oh, over my dead body, are you not going to be at management review? You're not calling in for that. I'll rearrange and let my boss know whatever, whatever, that I've got to take care of our son because you have to be on site for management review. Guys, I'm not accusing his company of not making a big deal of management review because this was my husband's first management review to be a part of. <laughs> that like likely it was just him who was like, yeah, it's not a big deal. I don't have to be there for that. He came home, Etienne, and you'll laugh because this is the other thing I want to talk about. I said, so did you get any action items that are assigned to you for management review? <laughs> he was like, I'm not talking to you about this. I was like, no, no, I really want to know. Did you? And he was like, yes. I was like, what was it? Okay, because you should have action items for management review. This is not just a powwow where we sit around and we sing some song together. Like we are in the weeds. If the quality policy is your battle cry, this is where we prep, right? And we're looking back and we're looking forward. Like one of the things in here are applicable new or revised regulatory requirements. Oh man, and we, yeah. We talked about UDI and management. <laughs> we talked about ISO thirteen four eight five transition, like. All of those things are part of management review. You come with action items. He did have action items. And also his quality wife said, he said it was a supplier. It, my husband does sourcing. So it was to do a supplier scorecard. I was like, hey, I just emailed you a resource that you might find helpful. Like, right? Like, that's just me. <laughs> and I know I'm annoying him. So all you Enneagram 9s who are listening, you're like, God, that woman's crazy. Yes, I, I am completely and will readily admit that. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. But essentially, management review is a big deal. You have inputs. There are things that you are going to look at. I get this question too, Etienne, and you've just gotten me started, so I'm keeping going. But yeah, what if we don't sell product? We we're not there yet. Do we still need a management review, Etienne? What do you think the answer is? I would say yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. Which I think is an appropriate time to tell you a story. I, I had someone that I was talking to. They had an FDA inspection. It was unexpected, but they did have notice. And I was talking to them, and I was like, "Hey, here's the things that I would do before they get here." And one of them was to have a management review. They had not had, I don't know, they probably had. But my point is like, get one, do it so that it shows this management responsibility, right? And they did not get any findings, 483s from that inspection because, not because they did a management review, but because they had, they showed management responsibility. They showed this whole um, executive management, management responsibility. And part of that is doing a management review. So wait, let me back up. So you're yeah. you're saying you're saying there's a company who they were expecting to get findings, but your advice was okay, since you're expecting this, let's do a, a management review. I don't know that they were expecting to get findings. I think that there were gaps in some of the things that that could have been a problem that ended up not being a problem because mm. the inspector was able to say, hey. And it's, and it's not, it's deeper than that, right? They could show procedures. They could show things like that. They didn't always have the objective evidence from it. And I, I don't want to generalize for them because I, I was no. not a part of that, but the inspector over and over, like they had that, they, the man, she would say they, things like 
I know that you are aware of these. Like you have a plan in place. I've looked at this quality plan that you've written. So things that like weren't all the way in place that they could show, hey, management is taking this seriously and we are putting plans in place to be able to execute these, right? And so I think like that was hugely telling for them to to have this management buy-in was so important and establish establish that rapport with the auditor in a way that we all know if you sit in audits is super important. So it's almost like if I were to rephrase some of what you're saying is- Yeah, rephrase it. <laughs> this, the management review, it's almost like a company-wide look at your, almost, so a Kappa, if you, if you look at a Kappa as- designed to help your processes make a good device and a good product. The management review is almost looking at it from a company-wide perspective to make sure that everything you do is aligned with quality. Yeah. And that's a great way to say it. Also, quality objectives, something that you have to have for 13485. So ways that you're going to measure requirements for product or establish at relevant functions and levels within the organization. They have to be measurable and consistent with your quality policy. And so that's a piece of management review. Yes, we're looking at CAPAs, we're looking at complaints, we're looking at those things, but we're we're looking, we're grading ourselves. Like I, that just popped into my head, but like we are saying, here's how we did for a period of time. Mm. And what do we need to do? Like, is it good? Is it bad? And what do we need to do about it? To, do we need to change it? What do we need to do? Yeah. Does that make sense? That's good. And we're, yeah. we're doing that cross-functionally. We're not, quality is not just doing that, right? We're doing yeah. that cross-functionally. So when you put those together, those, the PowerPoints together for management review, oh, yeah. what did it look like? I'm curious how long they were. I, I love hearing yeah. the nuts and bolts, the actually you said pivot tables and my ears yeah. perked up. <laughs> Very long, lots of slides, lots and lots of slides to put together charts and graphs so that we could look at things and interpret data so that we could say like, hey, let's look at this. Where are things headed? We've did we trying to think? So I'm going to add, we did management review quarterly. That's not a requirement. We just chose to. I want you to do it annually at a bare minimum. If you can find value and do it like doing it more often, I don't want it to be a checkbox. Does that make sense? And if yeah. quarterly makes it feel like a checkbox, then don't do it quarterly. <laughs> do it at a minimum annually. And so because we did it quarterly, we were assessing those quarter, like, did we hit our objectives? If we didn't, why? And do we need to put something in place? Do we need to open a Kappa? Because that's the time, that was the time for us. And we, we did it other times too, but that was the time for us to look and pull threads of like, hey, we saw, man, now that I'm looking at this, and this is not a real life example, this is off the top of my head. We had like 10 complaints last month because this broke or what, you know, whatever. We had 10 complaints for this one product code and we didn't even realize that. Shame on us, probably should have, right? But because we're sitting down and looking at it, were these corrective actions sufficient? Or do we need to open a Kappa so that we can dive in and dig deeper into this, Mm. right? So that was some of the data, some of the pivot tables. We're looking at like, what are our root cause failures? What are our defect codes? What, what's, what's going on with, with non-conformances, with, Kappas with audits, like uh, you guys know, we had lots of those. So to talk about what what we are seeing in audits, and then what are we going to put in place? So that was the bulk of my piece 
now you know this, but there are other inputs that I just went through. So we're looking at personnel, like how many people do we have? What projected projects do we have coming that are going to impact how many people we have? And if that needs to adjust or change for my friends who are putting Greenlight in place, Greenlight Guru, if you've got an EQMS that you're putting in place, that's a change that can affect your quality management system, right? So we need to have a plan as part of that. That's that's something we're going to discuss at Management Review. So there were slides that I prepped that were like, here's the graphs. Minitab was my friend. Ooh, yuck. Oh, that was a bad, 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 bad yeah. memory. <laughs> like what justifies a trend in your procedure and in, in, in Minitab and putting those in place so that we could tell the visual story for a bunch of people who liked graphs and charts, right? For people who are in the room and then interpreting the data. So I was also responsible for like, I couldn't interpret all of it, but like, hey, this is something that we need to consider. And then getting that to our management rep who could then dive deeper with the appropriate parties before management review. And then as part of management review as well, if there were action items from that. You turned the data into information and he turned the information into a story. There you go. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's why my life was full of pivot tables. Yeah. Okay. Anything else about management review that you wanted and to cover? I don't think so. I could talk management review all day, every day, but I think like takeaways, like cross-functional, not a checkbox. We are sitting down in a room. I'm I'm going to encourage you to make it longer than an hour. Like I know some of you are small companies and you're like, what would we talk about for an hour? I don't know. Bring lunch in, but like, don't just gloss over it, right? Like it is yeah. something that you have to do, but make it be meaningful, right? Because, and we'll just use that to lead into the next one. The next one is quality planning. And the one after that is quality system procedures, both of which fall under management responsibility. Right. So. I love that. And quality planning, like similar to these objectives, right? We're, we're doing practices, we're doing resources, activities relevant to the device that are designed and manufactured. I hate reading to people, but I need to re- refresh my memory as I read too, how the requirements for quality will be met. So yes, we need to plan. And like you said, procedures, manufacturers will establish quality system procedures and instructions An outline of the structure of the documentation used in the quality system shall be established where appropriate. And I'm just laughing because I think nine times out of 10, those procedures are qualities responsibility, right? Like that's who's writing the procedures. That's who's telling you where they need to go. But yeah, just as a note, top management is responsible for making sure that we have quality system procedures. And that those quality system procedures meet the requirements of this part or ISO 1345. And I think that's interesting because we forget, sometimes we forget, well, that's his problem. You know, he wrote that quality. Well, you're actually, the buck stops at your desk. (laughs) You're the person that they're coming to ask the questions to, right? Which is, which is why if you're a CEO, if you're an executive, if you're the, the president or whatever, and these management reviews come around, it's important to ask the the questions that people probably don't want you to ask, but <laughs> you don't want to know the answer to, right? You're the ultimate auditor because yeah, you're the, you're the one who, well, uh, who is responsible. That made me think going back to my lead, I think everyone knows this, but like literally my entire perspective around quality management systems for good or for bad, half the time is the audit, right? It should be the patient. Remember the patient that we talked about at the beginning, like, what am I going to show in an audit? What am I going to say? What? And so in that lead audit course, we talked a lot about management responsibility and how as an auditor to establish that there is management responsibility. We talked a lot about, I know we have several people who are listening to this who are going to be doing stage one or stage two ISO audits. And a part, a piece of that audit is interviewing executive management. And 
if you've got a good auditor, it's not just going to be a quick like, hey, Etienne, tell me about why executive management is important to you. How are you meeting these requirements, right? They need to do a good job of like, let's gauge, let's interview, let's ask. But a takeaway that I learned from that is that if you as an, and I'm putting you in the seat, Etienne, like you're the executive manager, if the executive management is doing a good job and they're doing these things that are outlined in management responsibility, it's evident in everything. It's evident by the way their people talk to an auditor. It's evident in like, if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, do you feel like you have the authority to raise your hand when something is wrong? It's just like, well, sometimes our executive management frowns upon that or quality doesn't like it when they do that. They Quality wants us to come to them first and then let them handle do you see my point? Like you can get, it, it's like, goes back to that, like with our kids, with my kids specifically, like they can tell me one thing all they want to. Yes, mom, I'm going to clean up my stuff. Yes, mom, I'm going to not speak that way to you anymore. Yes, mom, I'm going to pick my dirty clothes up out of the bathroom. I think if you went downstairs, they're still down there. The point is your actions are more important than your words, right? Yeah. And so in that interview, probably like, who cares? Like it shouldn't just be the audit while we're doing that. But if you want to pass that, live and breathe it. And so that your people will live and breathe it. And there's this battle cry, use that word again, that everybody knows what, that they know where executive management stands, that it's not a question of let me ask the right questions in an audit to make sure and the auditor should do that. But it's not a, there's not a question in the auditor's mind because they are seeing actions that mimic the fact that there is management, that management is being responsible to these requirements that have been given to them. Yeah. And I, I love your examples because your examples talk about how you we don't even realize how we're actively working against quality. Sometimes when yeah. we frown upon someone bringing up an issue or whatever, there's another more passive activity that sometimes happens. And that is when management always talks about the sales numbers. We hit these goals. We hit this. We did this. We hit this efficiency. Our throughput is through the roof. You know, we are hundred percent max capacity. We got double shifts and third shift on the way and all these different things. And we're about to expand into other markets. And that's all you talk about. And then, oh, by the way, we should make, maintain quality, by the way. Yeah. We don't want to have <laughs> any recalls, right? <laughs> so, so they, maybe they met the regulation, like you said earlier, maybe they met that requirement by bringing it up and everybody's aware of it. But what do you emphasize? And that is going to incentivize what your people do, really. So, I mean, I'm going to be thinking, okay, well, really, I got a throughput. It's all I care about right now. Um, And qualities. Yeah. I want to make one comment about that. I don't think that it is a bad practice to review numbers with employees, right? Like, especially in the world that we live in right now, like there's something to be said of, you do want your management to say like, hey, we have this coming and this coming and that coming. Yeah. Just from a perspective of like job security. So I don't want people to hear that that's wrong. But if that is the rally cry of what your people hear, then they're not the front. That's not meeting what this is saying. And I'm banging on my desk, right? Um, that's not meeting what this is saying. So it's not that, that that's wrong. It's Is that what you're always focused on? Because I can tell you something, the FDA didn't care about those business requirements. When you talked about the three legs of the stool, I was like, yeah, FDA didn't care about those, right? Yeah. Like don't, don't write your user need that we need to make money or that this is going to cost, this needs to cost less than $5 to make. Like the FDA didn't care about that. Um, doesn't care about those businesses. I understand that it's a, a leg of the stool though. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, like 
That's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm glad you bring that up because that's a, a great point. It's it's what you emphasize and how much you emphasize it, both being important. Um, yeah. They should be at least equally emphasized. So yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Not to relate it back to parents and kids, but parents and kids, right? Like, and you're not an employer, a parent, so don't mishear that. But like, <laughs> if my kids hear me talk about all the time, the laundry that's on the floor in the bathroom and not the other things, like not lying. They only <laughs> yeah, the think... character things, right? The, the the character ethical moral moral things, right? Right. I'm trying to raise good humans, and I would like them to pick up their laundry from the bathroom. <laughs> it's it's obviously a plus, <laughs> right? Right. What have we missed? Anything else that you want to talk about? Um, I think we, I think we hit all the parts in my side on part eight twenty. Too, I think we hit the big things. Um, in in ISO thirteen four eight five two. I think like uh, the the biggest thing we talk about, like to to wrap it up, like we talk about a culture of quality, and we talk about like how do we get executive management on board. We didn't really dive deep into that. That is a that is a part of it. Is like they need they have they have a part to play in this as well. And I, I I'm not. I'm the regulations person, y'all know that, but like throwing, here's, read this executive management. This is what you're supposed to be doing. That's not the way that you accomplish that, right? Um, But just, you have to have that executive management buy-in so that you can really, really um, have an effective and efficient quality management system. Yeah, I would echo that because the regulations, while they are designed to restrict and put guardrails in place, they're also designed to help build safe and effective devices. And if you're building safe and effective devices, rather than someone with a lot of defects, you're going to be way more profitable. So obviously money being the air companies breathe, you have to be profitable. Um, These are the things that help build rapport with your employees and build those strong relationships with your employees so that they work better and faster. So there's lots of different stories you can tell about how this is beneficial to the company, that third leg, that business side, the economical side. So love it. thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I uh, I love all the stories. I really appreciate it. I'll let you get back to it. I know you are one of the most busy people I know. I'll let you get back to your to your. Uh, Everybody tells me that Etienne. I just <laughs> just do lots of things. Right, that's the good part. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for and letting looking me come. forward to next time. I Take don't care. know. You'll... Bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, reach out to Sarah Adams on LinkedIn and let her know. Tell her that we need to get her back on the show because she always resists when I say, hey, it's time to do another episode. She's always got other things to do. And I know she's very busy, but it would be great to get some of that encouragement from the other side. So also, I'd personally love to hear from you via email, etienne.nichols at greenlight.guru, or look me up on LinkedIn. If you're interested in learning more about our software that's specifically built for medtech, whether it's document management system, our kappa management system, our design controls, or risk management system, or electronic data capture for your clinical investigations, this is software built by medtech professionals for medtech professionals. And you can check it out at www.greenlight.guru. Lastly, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It helps others find us and it lets us know how we're doing. Love to see what you think. Thanks again. Take care. Improving the quality of life. I know we say it a lot here at Greenlight Grew, and I'll bet it's something you probably said at your company too. We help babies breathe at night. We give you another day to be a dad. We give you back your eyesight. Those are some of the things the medical device industry and our customers are able to say because that's what they're doing. They're improving the quality of life for these individuals. Greenlight Guru is the only quality management software designed exclusively for the medical device industry. 
We built our software around standards like ISO 13485 and risk-based principles to help you bring safer devices to market three times faster. We're building the tools that will make it easier for you to build yours. If you're ready to find out how to improve the quality of life, contact greenlight.guru today.